0: That says it all. He loved. He gave. We believe. We live. Amen. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Please take out your sermon notes, if you will, please, this morning. And I want to speak to you on that very verse, John three sixteen, a verse that every one of us are very familiar with, probably the most memorized verse in the entire Bible. And because a lot of times it is so familiar, therefore we do not pause to realize the deep theology and the great significance of that wonderful passage of scripture. So this morning I want to share with you on the topic, the thought, experiencing God's love. And my desire for you is that you will experience his love. I don't want you to sit here and go through religious motions today. I don't want you to have come to Victory Church and paid your spiritual resurrection Easter Sunday homage. I want you to leave here experiencing the love of God because I want you to know something. You are the very reason that he came. You are the very reason that he suffered and died. You are the very reason that he came out of the tomb victoriously On that Easter morning. You are the secret. Of everything that is unfolding. In the word of God. It's because of you. And you know why he did that. Because he loves you. Have you received that love. Have you accepted that love. Have you allowed him. To love on you. My hope and my prayer is today. That you will experience. God's love. Let us pray. Father. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you for loving us still in spite of our flaws and imperfections. Man tries to put laws and decrees on mankind so that we could live up to your expectations thinking in return we will receive your love and your favor. God, you love us just the way we are you love us when we were certainly unlovable you loved us when we were using your name in vain and carrying out our own fleshly desires and wills and you loved us and God my heart's desire today and it's almost to the point that it's breaking And I feel such a heavy burden as I'm preaching this message and preparing to deliver it today that people under the sound of my voice, whether sitting here in this congregation, whether they're listening on the podcast, whether they purchase a CD, my heart's desire is that people would experience your love because, God, you love us. That's what... This week has been all about. As we've gathered together with the men Thursday evening. Commemorated that week coming into Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. As we had communion in the Lord's Supper. As we watched one another's feet. As we watched the passion of the cross. And as we celebrate on this resurrection Sunday. God, it's all because of your love for us. And God, there's someone here today that needs to be touched by that love. God, there are people here today under the sound of my voice that are trying to live life by themselves. God, there are people here today that need to experience you and your love. I pray, God, you'd work through me. Father, my heart is so heavy. And I feel like I'm going to stumble through every bit of what I've put together. But God, I pray that you'd anoint these lips of clay. And I pray that the Spirit of God would take the words that I'm going to speak and pierce the heart of each one that's listening. Yes, we're here to celebrate the resurrection. But more importantly, we're here to get our lives in tune and in line with you. And Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The topic of God's love. How in the world, how do you unpack that topic in one message? It's so deep, it's so vast, it's so wide, it's so broad, it's so high. How do you share it? So that everyone can understand it. I've got that task this morning. And I'll be honest with you, all week long leading up to this, I've been stumbling and somewhat falling under the burden of having to deliver this message. How do you do it? I ran across, across a quote from A.W. Tozer And I was reading one of his sermons that he had preached on love. And this was his introduction, speaking about the subject of God's love. He said, I can no more do justice to this awesome and wonderful filled topic than a child can grasp a star. But still by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction that one must look to see it. And so, A.W. Tozer goes on to say, I stretch my heart toward the high shining love of God so that we may be encouraged to look up and have hope. Guys, if you don't hear anything else that I'm going to share with you this morning, here's what I want you walking away from here with. God loves you. You get that? God loves you. Let's all say it together. God loves you. Let's put it in the first person. God loves me. Together. God loves me. Again. God loves One more time. God loves You say, what's so significant about that? Why do I need to recite that? Why do I need to understand that? Because I promise you, the accuser is out there. The enemy is out there. We are in a spiritual battle. The devil rages. And you know what he'll tell you? You're not good enough for God's love. You're not good enough for God's best. You're not worthy to receive his son. The resurrection wasn't for you. Why, look at your life. I'm going to say a whole lot more this morning. But I want you to leave here knowing that God loves you. Will you? Will you leave here knowing that He loves you? Let's look at that greatest verse in the entire Bible. In John 3.16. I put it in your notes in three different translations. The one probably most familiar to us is the New King James Version or the King James Version. Let's read this verse together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Max Lucado put out a big hardback copy of a book called The 316 Promise, The Words of Hope. 316. What are some other numbers that may mean just the opposite of hope? For us, resounding in our mind over and over again, there are some numbers when they're put together that is everything but hope. Such as 9-11. Would you agree? But you know what 316 is? It's just the opposite of what 9-11 stands for. 316 is about hope. 316 is about love. So what we have done for you here at Victory Church, we have given everyone a copy, a little excerpt of this wonderful book, along with a devotional guide. Now, what I want to encourage you to do, maybe this will pique some interest from our small group leaders, and we have, we have ordered the small group study that goes along with this. It's a great DVD study that some of the small groups may want to launch into, because I want all of us to understand and to experience God's love and realize that we have hope. Our world is pretty dark, is it not? I mean, you look around, it's what, what's taking place in our world today. And you look at what's taking place even in America today. And and you see how the devil really is having a heyday through the election, presidential election that's taking place. You know what he's doing? He's trying his best to divide and conquer America. Why? Because America is built on the foundation and the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our world is in trouble. I'll be honest with you today and I'm trying not to get into politics. But as I've been watching the news unfold over the last couple of weeks. I was born in 1964. I really do not remember the riots that took place in 68 and 69 and 70 and 71 in that era. I was playing with G.I. Joe in a ditch. The world meant nothing to me at that time. My dad called this week. He said, son, what do you think about all that's taking place in our world today? I said, dad, I'm a little concerned. He said, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of 1969. He remembered. I said, dad, the only hope we have is Jesus. The Lord has the answers for all of this mess that we're in. Hello? Where's it found? It's found in 316. That's where it's found. Not necessarily Max Licato's, but the Scripture. The Word of God. It's found there. In 316. I want you to take your little booklet that I gave you out. We're going to be reading several different passages of Scripture as I try to, or or pages of this book as I try to incorporate it into the message this morning. So please open it up to page number one. Page number one. It's the hope diamond of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have. Eternal love. If you did not get one of these copies, please hold your hand up. I see numerous people that do not have one. We need everyone to have one. There's a devotional guide that goes with this. If you did not get that, you can get it on your way out. Thank you guys for being aware of that. Does everyone have a copy? Or a whole band up here? A bunch of pagans up here? None of these folks. No, I'm kidding you. I'm just kidding you. <laughs> There's something about musicians. They're just different. You know? But that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Does everyone have a copy? All right. Some in the back there. Most everyone. If you do not, just hold your hand up. They'll get to you. Okay? It's the Hope Diamond. Page one. It's the Hope Diamond of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal love. A 26-word parade of hope on page 2, beginning with God and ending with life and urging us to do the same. Brief enough to write on a napkin or memorize in a moment, yet solid enough to weather 2,000 years of storms and questions. If you know nothing of the Bible, start here. If you know everything in the Bible, return here. We all need the reminder. The heart of the human problem is the heart of the human and God's treatment is prescribed in John 3:16. He loves, he gave, we believe, we live. The words are to scripture what the Mississippi River is to America, an entryway into the heartland. Believe or dismiss them, embrace or reject them, any serious consideration of Christ must include them. Such a small verse of scripture but yet so profound that theologians can spend numerous hours digging out the truths in this verse. Very quickly this morning, and I do say quickly, but I would like to bring to your attention seven biblical truths that we find in John 3:16. So if you have your sermon notes out, bring those out please and write down the very first one. What are some truths that we find about the love of God? Truth number 1 is this. The love of God is unconditional. His love for you is unconditional. For God so loved the world. In the Greek, the word world is the word cosmos. Which just simply means the unbelieving world or the world system that we're living in today that does not acknowledge God. It means the ungodly multitude. It means the whole mass of mankind that's alienated from God. And because they are alienated from Him, they become very hostile towards Him. Matter of fact, our world today really has no problem with you using the term God. But they get very offensive when you start talking about Jesus. Hello? That's the cosmos that we live in. That's the world that we live in. But here's what I want to draw your attention to. For God so loved the cosmos. For God so loved that world. Now notice what he did not say. It did not say for God so loved the good guys. It did not say for God so loved just the Jews. It did not say for God so loved the saints and those that are holy and righteous. It did not say God so loved those that just do what is right all the time. It said, and it says, God so loved the world. I don't know about you, but for me, that only heightens the mystery of God's love. Just leave those lights off guys, no problem. It only heightens the mystery of God's love, to think that he would love me when I was unlovable. You see, I accepted Christ as a 13-year-old boy, and many of you, by the way, have asked me, why do I love the Duke Blue Devil so much? And yes, they got beat yesterday, yes, I understand that, but it's still a good day because Jesus has risen, amen? amen. That's how I get past some of that stuff. Many of you have asked me, why do you like the Duke Blue Devils so much? I want you to go to my blog page at johncannon.org and I've posted right at the very top of it why I love the Duke Blue Devils. Has very little to do with the university itself. Has far more to do with the spiritual experience that I had in the Bell Tower at Durham, North Carolina on the campus of Duke University high above the entire university with my wife and God. And she was going through cancer. God did a profound work in my life on that day. That's why I wear the Duke blue wristband. So that I never forget that day. And on this wristband is my favorite verse in the Bible. It's my prayer verse, Jeremiah 33, 3. Where the Lord said, call unto me. And I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But before... That day took place. God loved me. When He saw me in my sins, when He saw me using His name in vain, when He saw me doing the things that the cosmos would do, He said, John, I love you. God's love for you and God's love for me, I want you to understand it is unconditional. In God's Word, and I do not have this on the PowerPoint, nor do I have it in your notes, you may want to jot down a reference. Romans chapter 8, and verse 35. Paul was writing inspired of the Holy Spirit. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecutions or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In verse 37, he says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor love, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will ever have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Guys, here's the point I want you to understand. There's nothing in this world That can separate you from God's love. You see, God's love is not based on your spiritual condition. Nor is it based on your moral uh, predisposition. It's not based on your behavior. Nor is it based on your attitude. He says, I love you. That's it. That's it. God loves you. Let's look, if you will, back in the booklet that I gave you on page number five. Here's a great little story about Pluto. I read it this week and I read it aloud to numerous people this week because I have been Plutoed and you have been Plutoed. Listen to what he says on page 5. Pluto got bumped, cut from the first team, demoted from the top nine. According to a committee of scientists meeting in Prague, the outpost planet fails to meet solar system standards. They downgraded the globe to asteroid number 134340. Believe me, Pluto was not happy. I called up with the disk-sky traveler at a popular constellation hangout, the Not-Sky Lounge. Tell me, Pluto, how do you feel about the decision of the committee? You mean those planet pickers from Prague? Yes. I say no planet is perfect. Mars looks like a tanning bed addict. Saturn has rings around the collar. Jupiter moons everyone that passes by. (laughs) So you don't approve of the decision. Snarling and whipping out a newspaper. Who comes up with these rules? Too small. Wrong size moon. Not enough impact. Do they know how hard it is to hang out on the edge of the solar system? They think I'm spacey. Well, let them duck meteors at at a thousand miles per hour for a few millennia and then see who they call a planet. I'm out of here. I can take the hint. I know when I'm not wanted. Walt Disney named a dog after me. Teachers put me last on the science quiz. Why, even Darth Vader gives me more respect. I'm joining up with a meteor shower and tell that committee to keep an eye on the night sky because I know where they live. Continue. Can't fault Pluto for being ticked. One day's in, the next day's out. One day on the squad, the next off. We can understand his frustration. Some of us understand it all too well. We know what it's like to be voted out, to have the wrong size, to be the wrong color, to have the wrong address, to be plutoed. To the demoted and demeaned, Jesus directs his lead-off verb for God. So. Loved the world. Turn with me quickly over to page 11. Page 11. Mark it down. God loves you with an unearthly love. You can't win it by being winsome. You can't lose it by being a loser. God will not let you go. He has you handcuffed to himself in love. And he owns the only key. You need not win his love. You already have it. And since you can't win it, you can't lose it. Others demote you. God claims you. Let the definitive voice of the universe say, you're still a part of my plan. Here's what I want you to know, guys. God's love for you is unconditional. Now, that's point one. I got six more of these to get through. I've got to go, okay? Number two, jot this one down. His love for you is sacrificial. His love for you is sacrificial. Sacrificial. The word of God, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Well, how did God show his love for us? He showed it sacrificially. He loved us by giving, by serving, by sacrificing. He loved us by giving his son. Sacrificing his son. He gave all that he had. In essence, here's what Jesus did. What God did because He loves you. He took all of your indebtedness to sin. All of my indebtedness to sin. And He placed it on Jesus. But He went a step further than that. He took all of His Son's righteousness. And He placed it on me and you. Jesus paid the supreme sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. His love is sacrificial. Thirdly, jot this down if you will, please. The love of God is valuable. His love is valuable. For God so loved the world that he gave, get this next phrase, his only. He gave his only begotten son. You see, God was willing to give, get this now, His only son. Now that's pretty tough. That's a a mass love. Matter of fact, there's a difference from, from giving out of your abundance. Than giving out of your poverty. Matter of fact, I wonder how many of us have said over some material thing. Someone has come and asked us if they could have it. How many of us have said in the past, well I can't give you this. It's the only one I have. Whether it be a pencil, whether it be an ink pen, whatever it is, many of us have said that. Why is that? It shows our selfish nature. Hello? I can't give you that. It's the only one I have. We have a hard time giving out of our poverty. But if I've got a drawer full of pencils and I'm abundantly blessed with pencils, take two or three. It's easy to give out of your abundance. God so loved you that he gave out of his poverty, so to speak. He gave you the most precious, the most valuable thing that he had. And that was his son. That's really hard to get a hold of, is it not? That's how valuable it was. The fourth thing, jot this one down, the love of God, not only is it valuable, fourthly, it's personable. It's personable. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God's love is not merely some abstract concept. He literally gave His love. Son, through the person of Jesus Christ. When God came to the earth and took on the form and was incarnate in the person of Jesus, Jesus then went and died on the cross. He gave His Son. Now, I shared with you the other week, I love you guys. I love you all. And I feel like many of you love me. But here's where our love will probably be pretty much in common. I'm not sure I love you enough to allow my son to die in your place when he's done nothing wrong and you deserve to die. Nor do I believe you love me enough that you would let your son die in my place when I deserve to die and he's innocent and does not deserve to die. But God said, I love you so much that I'll give you my Son, A child once was trying to recite John 3.16 from the King James Version which says that For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The child misquoted the verse and she said this. She said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only forgotten Son. Sometimes there's profound truth in the slip of a tongue. Because our world... Has forgotten Jesus. God the Father has never forgotten that he gave his son. But I wonder how many of us go through our life. Without even thinking or reflecting on the fact. That God gave his only son. So that we could live. Many of us are sitting here in church week after week. We forget. That God gave his son. Most people do forget today that Jesus Christ. Is the son of God you see his life is forgotten his love is forgotten his sacrifice is forgotten and it's our jobs as believers and Christians to share that gospel message with everyone that our path crosses it's our job to remind them that God loves them so much that he gave his only son for them number five drop this one down the love of God is accessible. The love of God is accessible for John 316 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Get this now that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting love. You see, the really good news of the gospel is that it's not limited. It's for anybody. It's for everyone. From every nationality, from every race, from every financial status. It doesn't matter where you were born, where you are, what you've gone through. God's love is accessible to whosoever believes in him can have everlasting love. It doesn't matter what your family tree looks like. It doesn't matter where your family has been or what they've come from or where they are today. His love is accessible to you. And all you've got to do is really just scratch out the whoever and write in your name. And that verse will be just as true then as it is with the whoever is in there. Because God loves you. Let, let me share with you once again from the booklet. Turn to page number 24 and 25. Page number 24 in the little booklet, 316. Can I really trust That whoever believes in him shall not perish. Jesus' invitation seems too simple. We gravitate to other verbs. Work has a better ring to it. Whoever works for him will be saved. Satisfy fits nicely. Whoever satisfies him will be saved. But believe? Shouldn't I do more? Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. The simplicity troubles many people. We'd expect a more complicated cure, a more elaborate treatment. We expect a more proactive assignment to have to conjure up a remedy for our sin. Some mercy seekers have donned hair shirts and climbed cathedral steps on their knees or or transverse hot rocks on bare feet. Others of us have written our own Bible verse. You'll hear this quoted many times. May I draw your attention? It's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. How many had that verse of scripture preached to you? Understand that's not in the Bible, okay? That's popular opinion 101. We'll fix our... Now, I think you can find the principle there. Just let me lay that down. I think a principle of that may apply. But this, the verse itself is not there. We'll fix ourselves, thank you. We'll make up for our mistakes with... With contributions, our guilt, with busyness. will overcome failures with hard work. We'll find salvation the old-fashioned way. We'll earn it. Seems easier, does it not? Seems like that would work better. Christ, in contrast, says to us, he draws reference to a previous story, your part is to trust. Trust me to do what you can't. By the way... You take similar steps of trust daily, even hourly. You believe, and this is gonna get personal right here, you believe the very chair you're sitting on will support you. So you set your weight on it. All of you guys are doing that right now. You believe that water will hydrate you, so you swallow it. You trust the work, uh, you, you trust the work of the light switch, so you flip it. You have faith the doorknob will work, so you turn it. You regularly trust power you cannot see to do a work that you cannot accomplish. Jesus invites you to do the same with him. Just him. It's accessible for anyone and everyone. And all you've got to do is believe. Which leads me to my sixth point. The love of God is non-judgmental. Get this, folks. The love of God is non-judgmental. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, read that underlined part for me, should not perish but have everlasting love. You see, God's goal in sending his son from heaven was not to condemn you. It's not to show you how bad you are. It's not to show you how unworthy you are. It's not to show you how hopeless you are. God's only desire in sending his son is to allow you and to show you his love and to draw you into his love and have a personal relationship with him. Get this, folks. Jesus did not come into the world to rebuke the world. He came to rescue the world. Jesus did not come into the world to criticize the world. He he came to cleanse the world. Jesus did not come to punish the world. He came to pardon the world. Jesus did not come to destroy the world. He came to deliver the world. And you know what? God's love for you is non-judgmental. Let me tell you why. He judged His Son. And therefore, all you've got to do is believe in Him. Believe in Him. And all of the righteousness of Christ will be placed upon you. You know what I want us to do now? Let, let's once again, let's, let's reflect as we, as we sing an old hymn called Amazing Grace. Let's stand if you will please. Uh, number seven, jot this one down. We'll conclude with this. The love of God is Beneficial you say amen right there? The love of God is beneficial. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see guys, you can have everlasting life with God the Father from now through eternity. But all you've got to do is believe on his son, the Lord Jesus let me conclude with one final reading from the little booklet and I encourage you to take this and read it. It'll bring fresh and renewed thoughts about John three sixteen to you. But turn to page thirty five. Page thirty five. Life has letdowns. And how do you know Christ won't be one of them? Honestly, dare you believe that He gives what He promises to give? Life? Eternal life? Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Beer companies offer you life in their hops. Perfume makers promise new life for your romance. But don't confuse costume jewelry with God's sapphire. Jesus offers Zoe, the Greek word for life as God has it. Whereas Baos' sibling term is like Is life extensive. And Zoe is life intensive. Jesus talks less about life's duration. And more about its quality. And vitality. And energy and fulfillment. What the new mate. The new sports car. Or the unexpected check. Could never do. Christ says. I can. You'll love how he achieves it. He reconnects. Your soul with God. How does He do that? He does that through this relationship. Through you, first and foremost, acknowledging your sin. And then looking to the cross where Jesus died and believing in the person of Jesus that that was God's Son who died on the cross there for your sins was buried and came out of the tomb on that very first Easter resurrection Sunday. And when you cry out to God and you say, God, I believe that I've sinned. I know I've sinned. And right now I want to trust in your son as my personal savior. And I'm going to, I'm going to believe in John 3.16. I believe that you love. I believe that you gave. I'm going to believe. And therefore I'm going to live. Will you do that t- this morning? I wonder if his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Today, right now, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your life? Have you called upon him as your personal Lord and Savior? If you haven't, I can't think of a better day in the entire year than Easter Sunday to give your life to Christ. He gave his life for you. We put some of the pictures up there of Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion. And let me be honest with you. As brutal and as hard as that is to even look at. It still does not do justice to what the scripture proclaims. And to how the event actually unfolded. Because the word of God tells us that his vicious was so marred. You couldn't even tell it was a man. Man. Hang in there. Yes, we saw the marks on His body and the passion, a little bit of it that we just showed you. It was far worse than that. Far worse than that. Far worse than that. Why did He endure so much? Why did God the Father allow so much? Because He loves you. He loves you. He died for you. He died for you. Daryl. He died for you. Right now, in the stillness of this moment, in the stillness of this hour, will you open your heart and your life to Christ? Will you allow Him to come in? pray something like this every head bowed every eyes closed just pray dear God I realize that I have sinned and dear God I pray that you would forgive me of my sins and God that you would come into my heart and into my life today and today I want to begin a relationship with you Right now, this moment, I want to give my life to you. Father, forgive me, I've sinned. I accept you now as my Savior and as my Lord. Maybe you're here and you say, You know, I've already done that. I accepted Christ years ago as my Savior, but maybe the Holy Spirit's convicted you and. In your walk with the Lord Maybe you're not walking with Him Teenagers, maybe that's some of you College career, maybe that's some of you Young adults, maybe that's some of you Midlife adults, maybe that's some of you Seniors, maybe that's some of you Maybe at one point in our life We accepted Christ But we've gotten so far from Him He is just not the center of our life anymore there's a verse in the Bible for you there's many but one I'd like to draw your attention to it's 1 John 1 9. if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and that scripture is not for salvation That's, that scripture is for rededication to recommitting your life that scripture is for the Christian for the child of God maybe here on this Easter Sunday You need to recommit your life to Him. Let me help you pray. Why don't you pray something like this? Sincerely in your heart. Say, God, Lord, i have drifted. I'm not walking with you where I need to be walking. I'm distant. I'm afar. I'm a prodigal. Today, I want to come home. I want to rise up out of the mire and the muck of life. And I want to come home. Father, will you receive me? As I ask for forgiveness, will you receive me? And God the Father says yes, because I love you. Father, I pray for these that have made decisions today. God, I have done my very best to pour out from the depths of my soul exactly what you've laid on my heart with the songs that were inserted, with the scripture that was used, with the booklet that was given. God, I've tried to follow your direction in this entire sermon. I've given you my best. Father, I pray you'd take these words that have fallen off my lips. Pierce the hearts of every one of us and help us all to draw near to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.